tuned into the GoCast podcast, your one-stop shop for updates, news, tips, and community in the world of Pokemon Go. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the GoCast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris, and as always, I'm joined by Kyle, my co-host. Hiya. Hey, how's it going, Kyle? Uh, it's going. I'm okay. It's cold. I'm very surprised I didn't throw you off by saying Kyle, my co-host, instead of my co-host, Kyle. I was like, "Am I gonna, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it ahead of me? He's going to jump in? But no, you handle like a professional. That's what we like to see here. So yeah, the two of us are here hunkering down before this this snowstorm, apparently, that's coming in a, in a couple of days here. Although it does keep getting downgraded over the days. So good. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully by the end, it'll be a, a manageable three inches and just some bad wind. But whatever. <laughs> but we're here to do a bonus recording. And uh, here's kind of what, what we're going to be doing here when we're talking about Scarlet and Violet. And if you don't know what Scarlet and Violet are, they are the most recent main series game. Uh, releases in the Pokemon series. They are both on the Switch. Um, and if you've never played another game besides Go, it's basically when we say main series games, we mean like games that are the versions that are on consoles, like Red and Blue and Silver and Gold. We talk about generations, those tie in with those. So hopefully we're all on board now. This is what we're talking about. But here's what to expect from these two episodes. Yes, we're doing two episodes. And if you've been around long enough to to remember us doing our Legends Arceus coverage, we did something mighty similar, if not exactly the same, for Legends Arceus as well. So on this first episode, we're going to go over some basic overview stuff and be generally spoiler-free. And then we will do a second episode where it's, yeah, we can talk about whatever we want. So up to you to decide how much you'd like to have spoiled or not. That's just the framework. And just really quick, one more thing. Here are the guardrails for episode one. What we consider not spoiler content is anything that's been in the trailers or is on the official website, uh, etc. So we'll be talking about the Pokemon featured therein, the characters featured therein, and any other sort of base mechanic stuff we can talk about. Cool. So first things first, Mr. Kyle, let, let's talk about setting, shall we? So why don't you introduce us to the continent that we're that we're in for Scarlet and Violet and what real world uh, place is it based off of? In Scarlet and Violet, we're introduced to Paldea, which is based off of Spain. So that's really exciting. Now, look, I'm going to be honest here. I'm very uneducated about most of Europe. I don't really know what the influences of Spain on the area actually are. (laughs) So I feel I feel really bad talking about it because i'm like is the architecture influenced because i don't i don't know what spain's like yeah so i don't know like to what extent but the architecture is influenced a bunch of other things but here are some of the pretty obvious through lines for uncultured folks like you and i like fue coco looks like a pepper and spicy food is a big thing right in spanish culture so there's that right and there's a bunch of spanish spoke throughout this entire uh entire generation by npcs and stuff the <laughs> the evil team oh says God. hasta la vista when they say goodbye and run away oh it's, <laughs> it's great me chuckle every single time but yeah there's a bunch of small little indications that it's spanish themed and spanish uh, inspired so it's it's wonderful in that way one of the things that they bring over uh to this game though is their sandwich system uh, which is a, a fun way of, of building sandwiches 
for sure. It's a great sandwich building, you know, mini game emulator. <laughs> uh, except the bacon are like blocks, they're like building blocks. They're like bricks. Have you tried making a bacon sandwich yet? No, I've made so few oh. sandwiches in this game. Not oh, I've, made, I've made so many sandwiches. I've done a nine bacon, three pickle, three cu- cucumber sandwich uh, when I was shiny hunting. And it that was a toughie. It was like a whole house. <laughs> uh, let me let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. How does it compare to the curries from Sword and Shield? I really disliked curries. Yeah. Why? I really did. I, I took almost no part. So in so, curries as well. For me, it was like, this is really unclear if I'm doing it right or not until you like look it up. But with sandwiches, it's really okay, obvious okay. because if it falls off the bread, you messed up. If it stays on the bread, you're good to go. Like, that's fine. But with curries, you had to like stir it at a particular speed and you what you're looking for a certain type of smoke or not smoke. And it was oof. Did not care for it. But sandwiches have gotten me, man. I love the sandwich system. I think it's fantastic. And let me tell you, there are a lot of sandwiches you can make. There are tons. I don't know tons. how big the sandwich decks is, but it is very large. It's more than 151. Let's yes, just say it's that. definitely more than 151. Yeah, it's got the curry decks beat for sure. And there's also the ability to build custom sandwiches in order to fetter out, you know, even greater bonuses than the regular sandwiches are giving you. I feel like we should probably give sort of like a little, little overview here. Like, how does the sandwich system kind of work? I know you haven't built a lot of them, <laughs> but you know how it works. Yeah, I've done enough. You you get to pick either a recipe to go off of or to custom make your own. And then once you've custom made it, you can use that template to make it over and over again to save yourself time. Is that true? Yeah. If it if it at least is a an existing sandwich. Oh, if it's an existing sandwich, for sure. Yeah, I just I make a bunch of Tasty Chris Originals. Three stars. Thank you very much. Okay, well, there are mm, recipes that you can use that are like the core sandwiches. And if you make them manually, it then becomes an option to use. Oh, okay. Very cool. And then you go play a little stacking minigame where you have to judge the user depth perception to judge placing them on the bottom bun. And then you put the top bun on. Fun fact, you don't need the top bun at all. You can throw the top bun away and you get full credit. It's funny. That's right. I love it. Well, because the bread's not an ingredient. <laughs> it's true, actually. But, so is it is it a sandwich still or not? I guess is really the question here. It's called an open face sandwich. So I'll never understand other cultures, man. <laughs> now, so after after that piece of bread, you know, or sans bread, you gotta put a little pick in through it too. Yeah. And you know, all together, and then it does this really great, like sort of like a circling animation where it shows your sandwich off in all of its glory. And I've seen some heinous <laughs> criminal screenshots of these sandwiches. And then it plays the worst eating animation known to the history of video games. I'm yes. pretty sure I've seen a better eating animation in an eight bit pixel video game. <laughs> it's really bad. What a, what what? a why make indictment. <laughs> My goodness. But why make sandwiches? Cause we didn't mention well, we sort of mentioned it. They give bonuses. They give all sorts of bonuses from increased shiny chance to increased raid encounters to increased Pokemon encounters and Pokemon catch rates. So there's a lot of reasons to make them. It actually has really, really good value. You don't want to pass it up if you actually play the game long term. Yes, I will say that Uh, sandwiches were not very helpful or necessary. I should even say through the core gameplay playthrough. 
But beyond that end game in order to maximize the amount of time I'm spending or, you know, make it as efficient as possible, shiny hunting or wherever the case might be or looking for particular raids. These bonuses are, are very, very helpful. Yep. So we'll leave that there for this overview episode. Uh, I might talk about a couple of recipes and some particular strategies in episode two, but sandwiches are fun. Really cool mechanic. So let's talk about the school next, which is really kind of like where this entire game sort of revolves around. I mean, obviously it revolves around you, but you are in school. That's the point of the entire game. Uh, you are there during this point in time. The school's like central in the world. It's in the city called Mesagoza, which is largely it's it's hard to say it's a college town. It's more like a college city. <laughs> you know, that's is all it, the city is. It's just a is college. It's supposed to be based off of like Madrid. I don't know. Is is Madrid famously uh like a school location or something? I, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't know anything I about no Sorry. <laughs> this is where, uh, again, our, our lack of cultural uh, education ends kind of there. Uh, but that'd be cool if it was. But for the purposes of our conversation, it's just central. It's big. And it's, a, it's an awesome school. I just got to say, I'm pretty sure the people in the Pokemon world pay a lot of taxes. <laughs> they pay a lot. Of course of they do. All of their health care is free. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's true. And even for their pets, man, their pets. Absolutely. Uh, but you're partaking in this grand sort of like gap year sort of assignment-esque thing called a, a treasure hunt. And uh, they're like, go out and find your treasure. And you're like, what treasure is it? And they're like, ooh, that's, that's the question, isn't it? And so you're approached by three separate students and each student represents a different path that you can take in the game. And while you have to quote unquote, choose one to begin kind of at the beginning, you can run all of them concurrently. So uh, the three of them are victory road, which is the classic gym challenge you know, for badges and all that good stuff. The path of legends, which is locating and sort of exploring this whole situation with some Titans, the big versions of regular Pokemon and Starfall street, which uh, I think easily my favorite of the three paths uh, is, is dealing with, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, dealing with the, the evil or, you know, antagonistic team in this game. Mm -hmm. Team star. I still love A-Star. I love them. They're so Gosh. great. Such good good style. Fantastic. Uh, so there's that. So there's a bunch of other characters, like a whole host of characters that you meet, including those three characters that lead you down this path. So, uh, Kyle, who are some of the characters that we get to meet right off the bat? Well, you've got Arvin, who basically leads you on the path of legends. He's your He's your tour guide, so to speak, for that. And then... One of the gym leaders honestly doesn't pay a whole lot of uh, attention to anything anywhere is Brassius. I will talk about Brassius in a second, though, because it's it's funny that it's one of the, the leaders mentioned in the one of the leaders mentioned on the website. But one of the first characters you're introduced is Clavel, who is the headmaster at the school. Yeah. He also plays a couple other roles, but we'll get into that later. But he's a he's a fun character, old man, in and out of the story a lot. I and think Clovel might be one of my favorite characters in a Pokemon game of all time. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> really good. We have Gita, who is the very obvious Pokemon League champion that you see within your first like five minutes if you make it to the 
school and you're like, yeah, that's the champion right there. They don't tell you. You just know. <laughs> that's the champion. <laughs> all champions have a look. They have like a it, they like do. A way they carry themselves and, and, the and he just got it in spades, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. And we have Grusha and Eno, who are both other gym leaders. I think, I think it's Iono. I oh my god, you're right. Eno. What the hell? <laughs> then we have Grusha and Iono. Two more gym leaders. I feel like Iono is one of the most uh, memorable of the gym leaders. Yeah, we'll get Iono to some is. opinions, but yeah, I the, one of the cool things about Iono too prior to release is that there was a feature with Iono because in game narratively she's a streamer, and yeah. so they did like this whole faux stream of Iono that was voiced and everything, um, sort of introducing <sighs> the character and, and providing more hype for the game's release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> the voicing is a, a sore point I think we'll get to in the conclusion oh, okay but. I'm interested to hear what you think but yeah we have Jacques who for the Pokemon Go only fans you have seen him he had a, a brief interaction with Willow in regards to Gimme Ghoul he's one of the teachers at the school he's a fun character fun mm-hmm. fun character I like he him he teaches a lot. biology yeah mm-hmm. then there's Mela who is a member of Team Star, one of the leaders of Team Star, I should say. And just gotta say, she looks so good. Like, yeah, oh my dude. God. Yeah, until you see so her good. walk, and then you're like, oh, what are we doing here? <laughs> what? I mean, her walk is realistic for the type of boots that the she's boots, wearing. Yeah, good name boots. Yeah. God. <laughs> and you have Namona, who is like the de facto rival, and it's it's very forced in the story. But in in a positive way, I think it's it's a positive way that you interact with her and she wants you to be better so that she can beat you. I think that uh, she's almost like a self-aware parody of the rival. Yeah, I think I think Nimona is almost hop like perfected. And I don't want to say perfected because Nimona is not a perfect character, but I feel like. That's what they were going for with Hop, but Hop has a different arc because he realizes, hey, I'm not cut out for this. I, of I think Hop has got a lot more depth. I just think Nimona is just a lot more likable. I I think Nimona is the better rival, but yeah, I think yeah. as a character, sure, Hop definitely has more depth than Nimona. We have Penny, the, the somewhat elusive girl who you help save from the bullies of team star early on plays more of a role as the story develops. Mm-hmm. And then the two professors, Sada and Turo, who we'll just, we'll talk about those later. Yes, but it is uh, worth mentioning that the, which professor you interact with depends on which version you're playing. Yes, so, it Sada. does, but doesn't matter actually. Yeah. Sada's <laughs> for Scarlet and Turo is for Violet. So pick which one you like the most or by both games, I guess. But so out of these characters here, first first impressions only, like first interactions or first handful of interactions in the game. Let's talk about the three characters for the treasure hunt really quick. So Arvin for the uh, Path of Legends, Nimona for Victory Road, and then Penny for Starfall Street. Now, what were your first impressions of each of, each of these characters? Did any of them grab you right away? I mean, Clavel is interesting from the beginning because he's funny, right? He's, he makes a bunch of jokes right away. So they're hinting at him being an interesting character. But the other three are like truly able to just sort of like front themselves. And then you have to deal with them. You know, I, I think that Arvin was 
an annoying character for like two fifths of the game. I was like, I don't like this character. I don't know yeah. why I don't like him, but he's just not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And then partway through the story, you hit a certain story beat and you're just like, oh, yeah, he's he's much more interesting now. <laughs> I actually yes. like to interact with him. Yeah. So so first impression is you did not like Arvin. Yeah. Okay. Like really did not like I'm like, what? who is this dude? He seems insufferable. I'm right there with you. First impression, Arvin, not a fan. What about Nimona? Nimona was fine. I was like, another rival that's too friendly, but I <laughs> that's the standard now. It's been the standard for like, we're hitting 10 years at this point, so I can't be upset, but I'm still upset. Mm-hmm. I want a rival to not like me again, but it's not going to happen anymore. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't think I, so. Like, I, I've come to accept that. It doesn't mean I'm happy about it. I'm a real big Nimona fan. I like her character throughout the entire game from first impression to last. I think she's wonderful. I think one issue I have, and this isn't a spoiler or anything, but there's a real big word here for video game, Ludo narrative dissonance with Nimona in this game, which is basically a fancy way of saying your gameplay does not match the story they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Like not purifying Shadow Pokemon. Yes, that is yeah. that is definitely a, a Ludo narrative dissonance example. But Nimona is champion at the start of the game. Not spoilers. They tell you this immediately. She has already completed her champion's journey. We should say, by the way, they they introduce this casually, which other games kind of have mentioned, but not really as much as you'll run into it here or mentioned at least. The Pokemon champion, the Pokemon League champion, Gita, is different than a trainer having the champion title. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can earn the champion title by by defeating the elite four, essentially. Uh, so she has done that. But when we say that she's a champion, she's not the champion. Yeah. No. And it talks about how amazing she is at all these times. I think at one point it talks about how she wipes the floor with Gita when she does the elite four. Mm-hmm. And like you consistently beat her every time. Every single fight you have, you beat her because that's what the story asks you to do. And it really would have done well to have you lose some of those matches. Yeah. Or like put in a very impossible situation to try and pull something off. I'm not sure if I actually lost any of them. So I don't know if 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 you lose, if it makes a difference or not, because in some battles in the other main series games, if you win or lose, you're usually okay. They just like shame you a bit and then run away or they cry and run away. There is. I know one battle early on when she terrestrializes for the first time before you go into Mezagoza. Mm -hmm. If you lose and you go back to like from the Pokemon Center, she's just gone. You just move on. Oh, like, really? There's no rematch. Okay. I'm sure that there's plenty of instances of that because every time, except for some narrative points where it was really important to the story you were in, the situation, th- th- it was pretty open ended when you were out yeah. of that interaction. It just, I, it just kind of felt weird that she didn't really feel like a threat. There were some threats in this game. She just was not one of them. Well, I mean, like early on, I think the first battle or the second battle or something like that, like Clavel is there and he's like, Hey, don't use your strongest Pokemon. Our hero here is only starting out. And Nimona's like, oh, that's right. So you're like, who's to say that Nimona isn't maybe hedging her bets and trying to meet you where you're at all the time? Yeah, I mean, that was a a good story beat for it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There could have been one or two on each of her teams that was stronger. So you had to actually work harder against your rival. True. I don't know. 
like her ace being four levels higher instead of two would have done at least a little bit. I, I know obviously that doesn't do a whole lot if you know how to play Pokemon, but still. We're getting we're getting a little bit deeper than first impressions. So what about what about Penny? What about Penny? As a, a nothing. Uh, first impressions are nothing. I was like, oh, you're going to do something more later. But right now you are non-existent. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is a flower that's blooming later in the story. This is not for now. You're going to pop up and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But the character was too interesting design wise to be as flat as the writing was initially. So I was like, OK, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but OK, there's that. We'll talk about gym leaders, I think, in episode two a little bit more. But let's talk about some basic mechanics about this game and more kind of like how it differs from other main series games of its like. So the first one is obviously the, the open world title. Um, and, and there's a lot of arguments. Are things truly open world or not? You know, is Breath of the Wild the standard for open world? Is World of Warcraft the standard for open world? What do we mean? What do we mean is that there is like basically minimal to no loading screens when you move between areas. So like if we go from area one to area four by hopping over a river, does it load or not? And in this game, it doesn't largely except for one area. But that exception is understandable. I would still say that it's open world. What do you think, Kyle? Absolutely. I think this is as close to open world, if you want to argue, that Pokemon ever will be. I, I think I don't have any complaints about it being an open world in any way here. I, I agree, except for performance-wise. We'll get to that later. <laughs> All right, battling in this game. Now, uh, there's a couple of ways to do it. There's two different ways of battling. You can uh, do a traditional sort of battle, like if you talk to a trainer and stuff like that, they'll pop into a battle with you and you'll throw out Pokemon and you be locked in place to do the turn-based combat that you're used to. Boom, bam, you're out, right? The other way is a new way of battling Pokemon on the overworld called the Let's Go feature, uh, where I think if you hit right bumper, uh, you'll send your first Pokemon out in front of you and it'll attack a bunch of Pokemon around it or just hang out with you on the map. I really like the Let's Go feature. It's not an efficient return of experience and items, but it does beat going into battles all the time. I thought the let's go was a great idea. I don't think it needed the XP penalty that it had. Mm -hmm. I, they already make leveling up so incredibly easy with the way that they handle XP candies like they did in sword and shield. Yeah. It just seemed kind of unnecessary. I would agree, uh, but I, I do enjoy having something that gets not breaking up the flow. I think especially as somebody that is doing shiny hunting and stuff like that, that wants to clear outbreaks, it, the, it's necessary for that. But I, I just don't think it needed to have a penalty. Oh, Why doesn't sure. it give full experience? There's, there's like no actual reason. Yeah. yeah it I gives it's because it's more time. It's less time. But that's the benefit. That's why it should be that way. <laughs> if yeah. you want to catch something, battle it. If you want to KO it, use Let's Go. There's plenty of reason to catch. Like, I don't know. That's It just felt like that was where it was going when it was announced. And to see that you only get like 5% or 10% of the experience from using Let's Go is kind of disappointing. They also mention it like, oh, you send out your Pokemon, it'll battle a bunch of other wild Pokemon and then come back. It sounded like it was going to go do its own thing for a while. And in this actual in practice, it, it needs a, a firm hand in order to Yeah, yeah, do it, it'll go reasonable. like 10 feet in front of you or whatever. Yeah, and then stop me like, what? Yeah. What? And then come back to you. So it's, it's good. It's just not what I was expecting, I guess. But hey, traversal. Instead of a bicycle, you get to ride a Pokemon. Um, and that Pokemon is the box legendary for each version. This is not a spoiler. It's literally like 
the first thing that they show in the trailers. Uh, the one for Violet actually rides like a motorcycle. The one from Scarlet runs on its feet despite having wheels, obviously. <laughs> but it works really well, in my opinion. Um, I, I really enjoyed running around and jumping and all that good stuff. What did you think, Kyle? In comparison, especially to like Arceus, how did you feel? This was much smoother than Arceus in all but one regard because it was one Pokemon doing all of it. So you didn't have to worry about switching and calling a different one and stuff like that. Mm. This is a minor spoiler, but it's worth talking about here. The flight is not flight once you unlock it. And in my opinion, the flight, which is gliding, is almost useless. The way that you traverse on the ground is fairly fast. The The gliding is only small uses in my opinion and it's kind of disappointing because i would have loved to be able to fly around this world like you can in omega ruby alpha sapphire on latios and latias so i really enjoyed the flight but i don't think it's good either like i enjoy gliding around and stuff but like you're saying the rest of the powers alone like make it kind of unnecessary and all the interesting stuff is happening on the ground so like why wouldn't you want to be around there even if the gliding worked like Arceus, which I wasn't the biggest fan of, but it was mm-hmm. fine. It would be fine, but there's such a limited duration on the gliding as well. Yeah. And then you just drop like a rock. Like you fly 50 feet and then you lose all altitude immediately. At least in Arceus, you maintain that until the ground caught up with you, which was yeah. nice. Pretty much. I, I am going to disagree with you on one thing. I think that it is smoother just because it's one Pokemon doing all the things, but I think the controls having gone back and seen now a lot of videos about Arceus, the way that that game, and this is also maybe just a performance thing, like running on Weirdier feels better than riding on the bikes. I don't know if I agree with that. I may have to go back and play some Arceus and see how that feels. I thought Wordier's running was good, but Wordier's handling was really bad. Uh, for sure, but so is the bikes. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the bike at least can. I, I don't. I think it turns well. Like I think it, it turns has, it well, turned. but man, the amount of times I'm in water and I power slide, I power drift into a into a something that I didn't mean to fight. Yeah, I mean time. they 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 put a little too much flavor in it, and that ties into the tiny Pokemon in the overworld. Mm. Which, and, and you've it's, it's, suddenly tripped upon my biggest complaint in the game, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's talk about some other basic mechanics besides traversal. Uh, I mean, we already talked about mechanic. Uh, we already talked about picnics, but technically that is a new basic mechanic, but we already touched on it. And then terastalizing, which is the big gimmick for this, you know, generation, for lack of a better phrase. This is the mega evolution. This is the gigantamax of this generation. And basically what it is, is every Pokemon has a Terra type. It can be a type that they have, or if they're special or some other, something else, they might have a Terra type of another Pokemon. But you can choose to, if you have your Terra ball charged, you can choose to one Pokemon in a battle to terastalize said Pokemon into its Terra type. So uh, explain, to, explain to me, because let's just pretend I don't know what I'm talking about, Kyle. Explain to me why this is a good mechanic or not. So once you terrestrialize and you take on the new Terra type, whatever that may be, you effectively become a monotype defensively, specifically. 
So you only have the weaknesses of that one type, but you still have all of the stab, which is same type attack bonus of all three of the types. Your two original if you were duo type and your new Terra type. So all sorts of new coverages able to compensate for whatever your weaknesses were switch to something better defensively like steel, for example. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, if you use a move that was already one of your original types, you deal more than regular stab with it. Yes, you do. So if you are an electric type and you Terra two electric, your stab for electric moves will be more than the original 50%. That is correct. I don't know why you would do that. I feel like the defensive bonus of a different type would be much better, but... It depends on what the role of that Pokemon is in your team. Having dabbled in some competitive and uh, now uh, our our mutual friend having done a lot of it, mouse hold with normal Terra typing and doing population bomb is a very clear example of why you'd want to do that. Yeah, I mean, well, population bomb with tactician and wide lens is already absolutely disgusting. Yep, and then Terra on top of that? mm, Yeah. Sweep? Sweep? So yeah, that's that's terrestrialization, and and there are many ways to get different types of Pokemon that have different Terra types. We'll talk about that um, in episode two. We'll talk more deeply about some of these things, and then I think the last large topic we're going to talk about here is just some of the Pokemon that we got to see in the trailers and stuff like that, and then walking around in some of the trailers and from the promotional material. And uh, so we've got a bunch of those Pokemon here, but really quickly, let's talk about how they act in the overworld. Uh, because, you know, this isn't the first game where they've been out in the overworld. We saw them in Sword and Shield. Legends Arceus, you can argue, was kind of like that as well, obviously. Um, so uh, how is this any different from the other ones? Or, you know, what sort of benefit does having these Pokemon in the overworld actually afford us, Kyle? Well, I think the one big difference between Scarlet and Violet and Sword and Shield in particular is there are no random encounters. Every single encounter in Scarlet and Violet is an existing Pokemon in the overworld. And that is huge. They did that in Legends Arceus, so that's cool to see. But this is a main series, a mainline game, so it's a bigger deal, I think. But first off, it made the world feel alive. And that's just, it's something that Pokemon, I think, has been struggling to do since it switched to 3D in X and Y. And I think it has done a fantastic job so far. It also makes like shiny hunting and looking for the Pokemon you want a lot easier. <laughs> it it really, really does. It does. And I'd have to agree with you. I think it does feel a lot more natural. And I think the next step is seeing much more uh, complex interactions between the Pokemon because they interact with each other well. And there's like, you know, four or five basic behaviors that they all sort of like share. And it's just diverse enough that you feel like they're all doing something different. But yeah. that's kind of what it is, you yeah. know? One major problem that I mentioned briefly and Chris also mentioned is the size in the overworld is just a massive problem across the entire board. I want to say 75% of all Pokemon are too small. They are sort of air quotes true to size, which is to say that some Pokemon are just little tiny specks on the map that you can. is a good early example. Yeah. Yeah, Palmy. That's Palmy is a great example. Small. Yeah, and it's like you you clip it with your toe and you're in an encounter. Yeah, <laughs> which okay, we got some first world Pokemon complaints. Oh no, I accidentally ran into an encounter. You know, go back ten years and you're like, 
I got five encounters going through this one patch of grass trying to get to the gym. Right. Yeah, this is uh, we could just say that this is the the trade-off, the modern version of the random encounters is just yeah. running into stuff. <laughs> but like it's it'd be nice to just be able to see them for when you want to encounter them too. I have to like if you're on mobile, yeah. if you're playing handheld and you're trying to find something that's tiny, you're like you bring it real close and you're like, am I eight years old again playing yeah, in the car with no light? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a real visceral reaction for me. My goodness. Um, but one of the other problems that compounds this issue is one of the performance things, the pop in and how far the draw distance is. So, uh, you know, I think we can talk a little bit about performance issues. I mean, we're going to at the end here, but that to me just compounds that problem a lot. Yeah, I mean, especially once you uh, power up your bike through stuff in the game, you do zip through the overworld and the pop in is not horrendous in my opinion, but it's it's bad enough that how fast you go on the bike with how small they are, you run into a lot of Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And in this one instance, in this one issue, I will then be in defense for gliding. Yes, but it's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't uh, last my, long enough my favorite is when you're done gliding then you fall and you land on a pokemon you don't enter into a battle you just bounce off their head yeah that that one is fun i'm glad that's that that nice. does that yeah. yeah somebody was like i'm gonna spend my time developing this and everybody's gonna be really grateful for it but nobody's ever gonna say thank you <laughs> all right but let's let's run through the initial pokemon that we were first introduced to of course the three starters fuecoco quaxley and sprigatito uh, we got that whole Wiglet reveal, which was hilarious. The convergent evolution versus divergent. We talked about it in the <laughs> show a little bit. Yep. Lechonk, it's a little piggy, palmy, impossibly small, but awesome new uh, Pikachu clone that actually has a full evolutionary line. Smoliv, everybody's favorite crybaby. Armorouge and Cerulege, which is the uh, the two Mega Man evolutions that we saw. Belly Bolt, big old bulbous thing i don't know so titan has grown on me by the way i, I really okay good Cetitan's good on me. great shiny man gotta say <laughs> it Ooh. is good it's for rigoraf evolution of giraffe rig has not has not grown on me by the way oh that stinks i'm sorry <laughs> fido it's a dog it's it's bread it's both gimme ghoul if that's the that's the crossover pokemon that we had from uh from go also makes it sound <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> Graph II, who I used in the game and promptly forgot about after I was done. Yeah. Really like that Pokemon, but it just man, Snoodle is really good though. <laughs> it's free of. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't realize they evolved into it until I know. <laughs> like, oh, look at this little thing. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Grievard. It's a dog, but it's dead. And it's and it's okay because it's a ghost Pokemon. Uh it cloth. There's a new crab in town. That's a great Pokemon. Paldean Wooper. It's like Wooper, but it's been it's toxic. <laughs> Coridon and Miraidon are the two box legendaries. Coridon is the red one, and Miraidon is the purple one. And Cyclozar was the fake out Pokemon that looks very close to both Coridon and Miraidon. That is like what people ride around on in this world. There, it's the carving to this generation's Diancie. Yes, exactly that exactly that so making a reference that nobody listening is going to really get that's one or two of them are pointing (laughs) at their radios and going ah (laughs) (laughs) all right so out of the first few that we got to see outside of the starters because that's kind of easy what was like one of the pokemon that you saw right away that you were like 
that's going to be on my team. Well, this is ironic uh, because it was Cerulege, like no question. I was like, oh my God. Yes. I love it. It's mm-hmm. so good. It, it spoilers. It was not on my team. Oh no. So there's that. <laughs> Uh, for myself, I was like, yeah, you know, Graphite is going to be my man forever. And it was, it was until like, like twenty gym, <laughs> like five or six. And then I was like, Graphite who, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I did use it for a while. It just didn't really work out for me. But all right. So to sort of bring it all together here, conclusions on our first, uh, first half of our recordings here. Did our first impressions meet our expectations going in? Uh, Kyle, do you want to go first? Sure. I think my expectations were met. They were not exceeded. I thought the open world was great. I thought the Pokemon and the overworld were fantastic. I did not get the catching from Legends Arceus, which I expected. So yeah. I can't really be disappointed. But that That's would have exceeded my expectations since I was expecting it. Mm-hmm. And be able to run around your the battles while they're happening. Yeah, and yeah. we didn't really talk about it, but I think the Pokedex is really strong. I This is the first generation in like three generations where I feel like I like almost everything in the decks. I mm-hmm. think everything has good value for the most part. All right. Yeah, I think my first impressions are that they were exceeded in some areas and underserved in others. Uh, the, the performance issues are really, really a, a sticking point for everybody that plays this game and especially everybody that plays this game and enjoys it. It's it's a bummer to have to sort of deal with the gameplay does not run like some of the trailers. It doesn't even run like some of the the gameplay that people that got to play it ahead of time reported back with after their embargo was lifted. The, The performance is down from that. Now, is it game breaking? No. But is it experience breaking that you could probably argue for a lot of people? And so in that way, even though it really wasn't an issue for me. That not meeting my expectations based on what we saw is is a bummer for me personally, even though the rest of it's fantastic. I love the storytelling, the writing. I think this is one of the funniest Pokemon games that I've ever played. <laughs> the writing is legitimately entertaining. I, um, but Scrakes and I can tag on to that for some comments. Yeah. The performance was abysmal. I am willing to look over the graphics because the environments are ugly like the the, the world the world that's built the world that's designed looks great Mm -hmm. as a whole the product works well individually the textures look like they're textures drawn from across the map rather than something you would see standing next to it you know to say like 3ds textures almost yeah it's it's bad that said the textures for all the character models and the pokemon models are amazing very very high def if the rest of the game could have looked like that, I wouldn't have any complaints. Some of the textures on those Pokemon, when you get really close, like the scales and the fur and stuff like that, they look amazing. Yeah, it's it's some of the it's the best that Pokemon, the monsters have ever looked. I think. Yeah, I would agree. And that's with that. that's great. The performance it, is so bad. I don't know how much I played. It was not as much as I think I have, but probably like. 50 60 hours because i've been distracted by other games lately and i crashed like four times really hard crash game close oh and like that's ridiculous i have never crashed in a pokemon game before 
No, no. Was this after like you let it sit for a while and picked it back up and or is it no, just like middle not of the mid, plane mid playing? Literally, I've mm. never left the game on without putting the game to sleep and it had crashed. Yeah, but have you come back to it while I was suspended? No, I mean, I, I never closed the game. So, so you never closed the software. Yeah, it, it was always okay. only asleep and. Yeah. It, the crash never happened right when I came back. It was always just randomly like I was catching a Pokemon or something. Yeah, but I think the the theory or one of one of the many, many theories out there is that that whole memory leak thing is that it just adds up over time if you don't reset your game every once in a while. Yeah. But I'll let you know, as somebody who started resetting their game pretty frequently after each playing session, I still had some issues. So yeah. who's and to say? The frame rate is is really bad. There's yeah, the some, frame rate. There's some real bad examples out there, but just in general, it was it was bad. It was not enough to make me sick playing it because I tend to be sensitive to that kind of stuff, which is surprising. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am going to have to agree with you, I think, on just about all points. The frame rate part hits me a lot more than the textures do because I'm like, you know, I'm flying past some of the stuff in an open world game anyway. Like, it doesn't bother me too much because I'm not really looking at it. And the stuff you do spend time looking at or you're supposed to spend time looking at look look pretty good, especially up close. But the frame rate issue is a big issue because it's inconsistent. There are times when it, it's running pretty good, and then there are other times when you're like in the lake or you're up high on an area looking down over stuff, and it just tanks to like ten frames or eight frames a second, and you're like, wow. I shouldn't have to angle my camera so that the lake water texture is flat yeah, and therefore hidden in order yeah. to have a good time in the lake. <laughs> I was already having a bad time in the lake. I have a real life phobia about open water. It wasn't fun, <laughs> but it was, um, it wasn't enough to make me stop playing, but I was like, woof every time. But let's talk about really quick. Last thing, pros and cons from the outside perspective. Let's just sort of like either dismiss some myths or clarify some things and uh, say, yes, that's true on a couple of other things for people that have not yet picked up the game. So I think first and foremost is, would you recommend this game to somebody? I think I have to give two answers to this. There's only two answers. (laughs) No, two, two answers for two different scenarios. Okay. If you like Pokemon, why haven't you bought this? It is really good and there's no question that i would recommend this to somebody who likes pokemon who played sword and shield and enjoyed it that doesn't mean you had to grind doesn't mean you had to get shinies whatever just playing the game is fun yeah now if you skipped out on sword and shield because pokemon kept feeling the same or you didn't think it was for you scarlet and violet will not change that this is still the same game it is still the same exact formula it just is presented fairly well here. So if you are on the fence because you're not sure if it's the regular Pokemon experience, it is, and it's worth playing if that's the experience you like. So the other scenario is if they don't play Pokemon, you'd be like, don't get it? If you skipped Sword and Shield because you thought Sword and Shield wasn't a good idea or you didn't like Legends Arceus, don't play this game. You're not going to like it. You're going to have all of the same complaints. I don't think this actually has fixed anything in terms of popular opinion about Pokemon. I think it does all of the Pokemon things. It just does them well. Okay, fair enough. I think I agree with you on everything up to the point where I would say 
if you didn't like Arceus or didn't like the way that Sword and Shield played out, then you won't like this game. Because I have a I have a couple personal anecdotes of friends that well, some people just didn't buy Sword and Shield because they were mad at uh, Game Freak, right, or mad at the situation, or whoever they wanted to be mad about. That's what they were the the national decks thing. They're mm-hmm. mad about that, so they didn't buy it. Um, but if they didn't like Legends Arceus, I guess I'd probably have to ask as to why. Now, if it's because you didn't like open world games or something like that, or it's not traditional, that's fine. But I think this game kind of gives you an opportunity to sort of ignore the things that are non-traditional more than the other two titles give you a chance to. Sure, there's no random encounters, but you just run into one pig crossing the road and you're good to go. You know, the battles are still straightforward. They play just like a Game Boy game, but you don't change screens you just zoom in and zoom back out you know i think part of the problem is there's a lot of people out there who look at scarlet and violet who who look at pokemon and see a jrpg that has not progressed past the game boy advance Mm -hmm. it is fundamentally the exact same game that it was in 2002 let's say yeah maybe maybe 2004 you still have four moves you still send out one Pokemon. There's one double battle in like the whole game. Come on. Come on, Game Freak. But anyways, so when you look at other JRPGs that are out there that have been made in the last 15 years and see the advancements they've made, it's hard to recommend Pokemon to somebody who likes JRPGs who doesn't already like Pokemon. Even just on quality of life benefit, uh, quality of life things alone in the game. Like, don't agree. try and ever fight a cloth if you don't intend to, to beat it in one hit. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they, that kind of comes down to the player, though, right? I mean, people that talk about hearing people claim that Pokemon games are hard or are not hard enough to play. The answer is almost always like, OK, then then make it harder for yourself. Don't over level your Pokemon. Use types that are weak to the other stuff. And, but like at that point in time, you're basically arguing, like, don't play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And so, like, I can see definitely both sides. Yeah, um, I think in terms of difficulty, I don't I don't care. I you can make the game as difficult as you want it to be and you can make yeah. it as easy as you want it to be. But there's some stuff in the game that just presents you. You can't change. And it's as simple as one Pokemon battle takes forever. If you don't even if you one shot the Pokemon, you're like 30 seconds for a battle. Mm-hmm. And like. If you if you play other JRPGs, that is just not the case anymore. It's not. And while you were just talking about that, I wanted to, to fact check a couple of things here about a, a metaphor I was going to make. Oh, no. Um, and or an analogy, rather, not a metaphor. You know, another game that went from a JRPG Game Boy turn based sort of thing to full fledged 3D models, open world space. And, you know, was it came from a similar place. Japanese company, obviously JRPG. But. Final Fantasy and Pokemon have had similar trajectories, despite them being rather different games. At their core, they're pretty similar. A lot of like turn-based battles. You have to have experience to get levels. You have to explore the Mm -hmm. overworld map, solve some problems and stuff like that. The first Final Fantasy game came out in 1987. The first Pokemon game came out in 96. So we're going to give Pokemon a plus nine modifier, right? Final Fantasy X, which is not even the first Final Fantasy that really brought it into like a modern 3D setting, but let's just say it is. 2001. 
Yeah. In 2010, we were not seeing Sword and Shield. In 2010, we didn't see Arceus. This was like the last like six yeah. years. So they're still running behind by like five years, probably, than everybody else that is roughly doing the same thing that they're doing. I know I only made one example here, but I mean, you know, I think I think that's even being generous saying five years. I'm not even talking graphically. I don't care about that when you're talking about this kind of conversation. I was talking more like pushing mechanics. Yeah, you know, but like and, and even reinventing even quality of life. Chris mentioned population bomb earlier. It's a, it's a new move by a new Pokemon hits up to 20 times. Right. I think so. Is it? Is it's, that right? I don't, yeah, I don't think it's 10. I think it's 20. Either way, it's a multi hit move. If you've ever used a multi hit move in Pokemon, you know, don't use a multi hit move because it makes your turn five times as long because it has to play an animation, tell you it hit, play an animation, tell you it hit. It can like, hit this up is, to 10 times, by the up way. Up to 10 times. Okay. Yes. Fair. But like, why do I need to see the pop-up text 10 times? Like that's that's the kind of mechanic we were doing away with in the 2008, 2009. It's, it's that kind of small things that Pokemon just keeps lagging behind and it adds up. I would agree, but I don't know what the pivot is. Mousehole used population bomb. One animation. It hit nine times. You're done. It could t- take 10 seconds. If you've yeah, ever but, played Persona 5. The other person has a Rocky helmet on. They, it can it can give text. It can give information. It doesn't need to play that information every single box. I suppose. I don't think it. I think it just does the roll every single time for accuracy and stuff like that, too. So, but it, saying, it can do oh, that. It, it rolls it can do that, that behind the scenes. You don't yeah, have to see the animation. It could. Time. So, oh, it's stro- uh, population bomb struck four times. But, um, uh, you know, mouse hold has fainted because the other person had Rocky helmet on. Right. So, yeah. OK, that makes sense. It's just it. And this is a very specific example. It's concepts like these that make it hard to recommend the game to somebody who doesn't already love the game. Yeah, because it's great. It is amazing if you like Pokemon. And that's that's kind of that's kind of the nicest thing I can say in that. Okay. And I like Pokemon. So but I'm also aware that. There are a lot of people who see Pokemon as an inferior JRPG because of that. And that's okay. Everybody's entitled to their wrong opinions. That's what I always say. (laughs) All right. So I think we're going to wrap it up here for episode one. I, I, I like leaving it off the note of. Yeah, it's got some issues, but we would recommend it for sure. I think that's a good <laughs> it's a good summary yeah. of how we both feel about it. So thank you very much for joining us for episode one. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode, too. Yeah.